You're listening to the American Soccer Analysis Show. Dude, you're, you're the Tommy McNamara of podcasting. It's great. Thank you. Wait, what? With your hosts, Ian Lamberson. If you say one more bad thing about my growler, I'm going to cut you. And Harrison Crow. Patrick Mullins is what happens when you least expect it. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the American Soccer Analysis Show. I'm your host, Ian. With me, as always, my friend, my colleague, the assistant head coach of the United States Under-20 Men National Team, it's Harrison Crow. Say hey to everybody, Harrison. I had to move to Chicago. That's why That's why we haven't been on for very long. You can, know? I, can I say that, like, while I value you as an analyst and a friend and a colleague, the only thing I know about your 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 soccer coaching credentials is that you once lost an under twelve game like fourteen nothing. That being said, it wasn't that nothing. Being said, it wasn't nothing. We did score. We scored like two. Okay, fourteen two. That being <laughs> said, with this knowledge, I would have picked you for that chap over Al Hudson. <laughs> over over Anthony Hudson. Anthony Hudson. Good old Tony. <laughs> Oh, Tony Hudson, man, failing, failing upwards. Wow. Um, it's been a while since we've done this podcast for a lot of reasons. Mainly because um, there wasn't a lot of soccer going on there for a while. Uh, did well, we it, do one after MLS Cup? I don't, I don't know that we did. No, no, we didn't even. Like honestly, I barely remember that entire game. It was yeah. pretty much just a blur. Uh, yeah. I was in the crowd. Uh, I was with friends that was, it was, I know it was a close game for the first half. And then the second half, I know that the Sounders scored and, you know, I, of course I have rooting interest in the game. So it's a little bit hard for me to be impartial. I think both of us, I think that was kind of the downside of doing a review show of MLS cup is that neither yeah. of us were really impartial to the circumstance. So I, I think that it was just better left, not, like not to have us try to analyze it because a lot of things we are, I think we are pretty uh, impartial and I think we do a good job on this show of trying to review different things. I think (laughs) I would not think anyone would accuse us of being overly uh, favorable towards the Seattle Sounders. No, no, (laughs) but I I think on that day and the review of it. Yeah, it was an emotional day. It was fun. And I got to hang out with Harrison like that weekend, you know, it was cool. Got to see the lads. Uh, so it was a good time. Congratulations to the Seattle Sounders and all our Seattle Sounders fans and friends out there. Um, it was a, it was a, it was an interesting end to a, a crazy season that was unexpected, and that that is just how MLS works. So we're gonna do it again here in a couple months. Uh, are you are you ready for MLS to start again, Harrison? Uh, to degree, I am. I I, I just want having some regular soccer back on is nice. Uh, just because that's my escapism, that's my that's my comfort food, if you will. Right. <laughs> that's um, your security blanket. Is it? It, it kind of is, right? Like I know on Saturday or Sunday afternoon, I'm I'm going to sit down in my in my chair. I'm going to do some reading. I'm going to catch up, you know, between a couple games, and that's just going to be my Saturday afternoon. It's going to be relaxing, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, Sunday evening there's going to be a really good game on. And we kind of don't have that. We have a little bit of like international soccer that I kind of pay attention to. It's just it's not the same to me. I like it, no, I, but I, I just don't follow it with the same interest. Um, because I, it, you know, it's over there. 
our it, soccer that's what it, i want it is and there's i feel like there's years of things that i'm not privy to that's that anytime yeah. i talk about something <laughs> i feel immediately that i'm wrong because i didn't know 12 years ago this happened yeah and there's, look, I'm there's not a trying, lot <laughs> I know not everybody's like that. Yeah. I, I had some bad experiences and that's not, again, not to say that everybody's probably like with that. me. I probably got sniffed. You know, <laughs> I do remember one of our first, the first time that we really sat down and talked was I think about uh, Jose Mourinho and uh, I, think I, got, I think I, I got snippy at you. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the, there's a lot of content. It is funny because there's like a lot of, um, subplot to international soccer that we don't really have here in MLS. That's kind of like uh, stuff that kind of happens behind the scenes just because there's so much more like intrigue uh, in the game and public interest in it. Uh, so it's it's kind of funny. But anyway, that's going on. It's fine. Go Liverpool, I guess. Uh, that, that's all I know. <laughs> I, yeah. That there, and that's the other side that it's a little bit less interesting right there. It's, it's pretty much a one. Listen, when you race. get, <laughs> when you get used to a team going from last to second in the last four weeks of the season, uh, you know, having a championship be a foregone conclusion by January is sort of like, eh. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so yeah, I, I would say that I'm, I would say I'm, I'm, I don't know if I'm ready to get, get fully back in the scene of MLS, but, but I'm starting to feel that pull. Well, you got um, a month. You got a month, right? Um, you know who is not ready for MLS to start back up? Like every team. Like every single MLS team, <laughs> barring like three. Um, I don't know if even I like. Look, I I know I kind of have an idea of what three you're referring to, but like, yeah, there's there's a huge gaping kind of hole. Like we've got we got signing news, and we'll talk about that. I'm sure later, but like for the most part, there's yeah. nothing so far. There, it's well, I think. You know, uh, some of some general managers have come out and said, like, yo, we can't, like, start signing players right now. Like, we don't know what the budget rules are going to be next year. We can't be, like, putting, uh, you know, signing contracts for millions of dollars if we don't know if we're going to be able to do that, you know, in a couple of weeks. Which is interesting um, because some teams seem to be okay with it. Uh, like, the Galaxy seem to be signing players. And... You know, we've, we've seen a couple big name signings. I think a lot of teams are kind of either not as want to pick up like bigger signings. And I think a lot of the teams that do make the bigger signings are really up like a lot closer to up against the salary cap generally. So maybe they have to be a little bit more sure about which, where each dollar is going. Right. Um, but it's an interesting situation. It's definitely been a very, it hasn't really been a banger of an off season. I, I don't think that that's uh, I, I don't think that can be argued. I mean, we've had some we've had some good signings, a couple. Oh, I think, uh, but I think you made a really stellar point, right? The signings that have been made, the teams that have been associated, are teams that needed those players. Yeah. Regardless of what their budget is going to look like, they needed that player. Um, you know. Yeah, they have to kind of play around. Like they were going to have to budget around them anyway. Right. Yeah, or they were kind of like we're so far under this thing. Like if you've got a DP slot open. You, probably pretty sure that like they're not going to get rid of a dp slot but i mean i guess you can't rule it out but it, it seems like a thing they wouldn't do um, yeah there's not going to be some rule that says hey this high price player that you just paid for is not going to be allowed on your roster. <laughs> your new marketable star is just not allowed in this league anymore major league soccer team 
We want domestic youth only. That's that's the vision we've been going chasing for the last decade. Uh, yeah, but it does like for teams that maybe like to instead of spending on a DP might like to pick up a couple of tan players in that slot. It does make things a little bit more confusing for them. So I understand. I understand that. That being said, I'm bored and I'm tired of it, and I need <laughs> I need to start seeing these rosters come to fruition because uh, I'm starting to get I'm starting to get nervous about some of these teams out there. There, there are a couple teams that definitely have, I don't want to say some definite advantages ahead, but they're they're in good position depending on which way the CBA, and almost regardless of which way the CBA lands, that mm. they're going to be able to move forward in a pretty tenacious way in, on 2020, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you kind of want to get into that, but I mean, just LAFC, um, Atlanta, New York City, those three specifically are the ones that come to my mind as teams that are probably going to drop money on this season. And the scope of how much money they, they, they all three teams have, have spent money this offseason, but all three are, are looking to, uh, I guess NYC hasn't yet this, this offseason. Atlanta, while being um, rumored about like a dozen different signings, hasn't necessarily settled down, but you know all three of those teams are going to spend money. It's just yeah. a matter of how much money. Kind of like what you talked about beforehand, knowing where every dollar is going, going. that's kind of that's what they're waiting for. And even LAFC. LAFC is already kind of basically replaced Lee Wynn, right? Mm-hmm. So it, it's kind of these teams that are less in that tier – it, this is a really important time for them as they kind of put their seasons together and as they start looking at 2020. I think we're in kind of a weird, and this is one of the things that I've always uh, detested about the CONCACAF Champions League, is that it makes an already complicated situation even more complicated for those teams. Uh, because like that's starting up when? Like February, like end of February? Like yeah, February, February? 8, actually, it's not even end of February, right? It's, it's 18 February, which is nearly like smack dab in the middle of February, right? Um, yeah. Okay. So that's not far. <laughs> that's not far from now. Uh, you know, like you look at the teams that are in this. We got uh, Atlanta, LAFC, Montreal, New York City, Seattle. Is there one more? No, that's it. Toronto didn't make it. Nope. You're like I, I, I've heard so many people reference that in the last like week. Surprised? No, Toronto is not will not be a part of the Champions League this year. They they kind of fell on their face with uh, with all the, the uh, Canadian business. Huh. Okay. Well, I guess that's good that it's Montreal instead of Toronto. That's better. Well, I I, I don't know if it's. Good or bad? No, it was uh, it was sarcasm on my part. I think Toronto's a, a much better team than Montreal. <laughs> we do a better job. Uh, Montreal has a lot of uh, stuff to do, uh, and they've got a brand new coach. And you know, I don't no feel Pizuelo. like Montreal's a team though that's go- was going to make a lot of moves in this for- first part of the season, right? No, they always tend to make their big moves like at the very end of the previous season. <laughs> They're a weird team. Uh, so maybe we'll start to see Bojan like kind of come to fruition a bit more, and um, you know, like probably like made like the most devastating move for me this off season. Uh, but it, I just 
I don't, I don't know. Like I don't know how they can say that we're, commu- we're we're competing to be the best team in the in in the on in the region, the continent. But we've traded Victor Cabrera. Right. I, I don't so get it. For those that don't uh, that are Ugh. new to the podcast or haven't Ugh. listened in a while, uh, explain Victor Cabrera. Victor You're Cabrera. Beloved. Victor Cabrera. Victor Cabrera is either the best defender in Major League Soccer or the worst defender in Major League Soccer. And it's like Schrodinger's cap because it's simultaneously both and neither. Um, he is a... He's, uh, jokes aside, he's, he's a very fascinating defender to look at from an analyst point of view because uh, when we look at his numbers, they're like incredible. They're eye-popping because he's just such an active defender he's an aggressive defender he's an event oriented defender like his defensive actions are just like through the roof uh and so if you just looked at his stats you would think like this is the best defender in the world but if you actually watch him play uh you're like why is he so bad at this game uh but he has been traded he's been traded to houston actually i'm okay with this uh, deep down i think he will get to play at houston or i think that's gonna be a like it's a really interesting experiment for me now like I'm, I'm really curious to see if we take victor cabrera out of the montreal lab and put him in a different lab to see like what happens um so so that that's kind of cool uh I, I i i i always wanted it to work out from at montreal but but you know it, I, I think it's time to move on i think it's time to move on well, see, and I'm I'm excited for this trade for the opposite reason, right? Like you got you're losing Victor Cabrera, but I feel like Romo Kyoto has kind of been on the misfit toys. He really didn't yeah. fit into what Houston was trying to build. I don't think he was vibing with that locker room. He goes to Thierry Henry, uh, who uh, is going to expect an extreme amount of dedication for his players, and I'm kind of excited to see what you know uh, somebody that maybe had a little bit of disciplinary problems goes to someone like Henri that has, they both have some similar backgrounds. Obviously Kyoto is not nowhere near the, the quality that Henri ever was, but they have similar backgrounds in how they both approach the game. And I feel like that he could, Henry, uh, Henri could be, I said Henry, oh my goodness. Uh, Henri could be somebody that just positively pushes Kyoto to be, that next level that what he was that what he could be because in 2017 he came out and he was so very good mm-hmm. was it, it was 17 or 18 um i now I'm, I'm questioning myself but his first initial year into MLS, yeah. he was extremely and I mean, I think interesting at the, i think even at the start of last year he was good too if i recall uh, yeah, but then and, he just, and he's just inconsistent right like we see right. these great flashes in the pan and then we see him kind of get lazy. He, he, he kind of goes to these long looping crosses. And, he, he, you know, yeah. he doesn't necessarily uh, play both sides of the ball and get back on defense. And so, you know, there, there's gets, some detractors there. He but breaks overall, some local or international laws. Or, or well, that's that's an entirely different subject. Or, yeah. Um, but, so that's that's fine. But, uh, yeah, that's that's an interesting trade. I, I think Houston's had one of the more fascinating off-seasons. Um thus far uh they are certainly someone I'm, I'm really interested in with a new coach uh we finally get to see tab step up and you know put put his put his money where his mouth is i don't know if he ever really was like trash talking anybody but i always feel like tab's been on the fringes of these kind of head coach conversations so i'm very interested now that someone's taking it taking the bite and uh we'll get to see what this guy has i think it's more interesting that houston is at the situation that they are now with, you know, 
backfilling their their head coach position with Todd Ramos, who, like you said, has kind of been on the on the cursory discussion. He's been in the national team program for over a decade now. He comes into the spot, and Houston hasn't moved either of their big name players that they were expected to move. Right. Yeah, that's something that's definitely been uh, really interesting to watch. Is I think uh, I would have said that both of Manotas and Elise would be gone at this point, but but here they remain. Um, now you've added Victor Cabrera, difference maker, for better or worse. Uh, Darwin Quintero. Uh, I think Zarek Valentin. <laughs> they pick him up. They did. They picked yeah, they up Valentin, and. Uh, <clears throat> you know, you've still got Elise, you've still got, uh, you've still got Minotis, you've got Christian Ramirez, uh, who was really actually pretty good for them down the stretch last year. Uh, you know, I know that was a last year thing, but, but you know, full off season, preseason, whatever with him. Um, Memo Rodriguez. Yeah, like this is, this team's looking interesting to me. I, I think that they still have some of the same issues that they've, they have had in the past. Like that defense does not fill me with a lot of hope. Um, They're completely void of a keeper presently right they have literally zero keepers at the moment i think that's true yes they have two but uh, like both of them come from like second division somewheres like one's yeah. a second division uh usl guy and the other one's some from some other international league that no one's ever heard of. i think that that is just i, I think they're pulling the trigger on that marco morich guy um so i i we'll see <laughs> we'll definitely see, right? Uh, it's it's cool. I I, I I do think that they they are one of, they are always one of my favorite teams to just kind of like spy on throughout the year because they're, they're capable of, of being a very very focused team at times and we've seen them do great things at times. Uh, but there always just seems to be something kind of off about them and I wonder if maybe Tab Ramos and like I feel like that's a really different direction entirely. I I, I get the feeling that this might be like a kind of a, a clean slate for them in a way. No, they, I think you kind of nailed it. Their biggest issue has been the last 15 minutes of the game. I think that they've done a really good job in the majority of their game. And, and playing first, on the road. Yeah, the first, well, yeah. And the first I mean, 90. you've been on the road. The, first, the, first, the, the four, last 15 the minutes of home of the games have been really good. And the first 90 minutes of away games has been their issue. <laughs> that's, not, that's not entirely fair. Okay. Right, like yes, they've been the underlying numbers don't point them to being a very good team on on the road at all, uh, and I get that. But even to the, the degree to which they've been bad on the road hasn't quite been fair, right? Mm-hmm. They're better than what they're num- uh, than what they have been away, right? They, they should have at least gotten a few more results than what they did, yeah. both in this season and last, right? The last two seasons themselves have just kind of been train wrecks. And and to be fair, I'm not entirely certain that's entirely on the coaching staff or even some of the players that they recruited, right? I think that they just they, – it is to a degree with the, the quality of players that they recruited, right? They, they didn't nail every one of their signings. And I think to that end, I think that has something to do with some of those that were involved with the recruitment process, which my understanding is – you know, Wilmer Cabrera was very involved with that. With Tab Ramos now taking over, it'll be interesting to see how his guys uh, fit into this, uh, into the back end of the defense, and how it, this attack changes. Because I have a feeling this is going to be a more of a front foot type lineup, right? 
Yeah. I think he's he said in interviews. I, I'm not sure how it works with his personnel, but uh, I think he said in interviews that it, he wants to do like a 4-3-3. Um, so we'll see. We'll see how I it think is. there's going to be some pressing involved. I, yeah. I really do. I think that you got to do some pressing. You know, you got to press. We know this. Well, I, I, okay, to a degree in MLS, you do yes. have to press in today's you game. Press. Yeah. But I don't. Game. Th- What's that? In the modern game of MLS. Yeah. But I think I think Seattle has shown, and we we've talked about this. Seattle has shown there are times that you can you can kind of play opposite of that, right? You can kind of figure out this weird middle block that you're going to that you're going. I mean, that's largely how they beat LAFC was this middle block picking your timing on when you're going to press. I don't think mm-hmm. you have to press all the time. I don't think there has to be this gig and press and type uh, of scheme, right? You don't have to, you don't necessarily have to do that, but I think that you do want to create these fast chances. I, I think the, the quicker you are to move the ball down the field, that you are better, you're more likely to create a higher quality chance. Yeah. Defend from the front, Harrison. That's what I've always said. You know that about me. Yeah, yeah, you you preach it. I preach, preach it. And not only that, Harrison, I live it. I press everything in my life. Yeah, you don't just preach. You don't just preach. You practice I, what you preach. I, I press I press everything in my life with high intensity. I press my commutes, my lunch breaks. Just high press all that. Uh, let's talk about CCL. Let's 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 narrow our focus here a little bit and let's get into um, the CCL teams. And I'm just gonna name some teams here that are that may or may not be in CCL. And you tell me whether or not what, what you tell me what we're missing here before we get into this tournament. So, uh, Atlanta, a team that is in CCL, uh, is Atlanta ready for this tournament? Uh, they're missing kind of a central defender, I think. Yeah, uh, but you know, pretty big piece. With adding Brooks Lennon, maybe you move uh, Franco Escobar into the middle of the field. I don't know. It'll be kind of interesting. I think that uh, they still haven't announced though that uh, Gonzalez Perez has left. It's kind of a He's weird. Gone. He's and, oh yeah, they they've taken photos and they've you know there's <laughs> there's all sorts of stuff with him wearing T1 gear. Yeah, it would be very very strange if if that somehow did not happen. Um, and even then, I don't think he could come back to Atlanta at this point. No, no, he's um, he's gone regardless of where he ends up going. Yeah, um, they got rid of Pogba, the younger, um, I guess uh, also. So like they they do have some some space on that depth chart for a couple of center backs. Um, their name, of course, has been uh, attached to more or less every South American player uh, in existence this offseason. Uh, so it's kind of hard to wade through and see which ones really have merit. I think um, that we'd also be kind of remiss if we didn't mention that Darlington Nagby is also in Columbus now. Uh, yeah, which Darlington is going to be a huge gone. thing for them as they try to replace it. He was kind of a really good fit once they kind of figured out what they wanted to do as an entire team instead of trying to do what Frank DeBoer wanted to do and then do what Atlanta players wanted to do. They, they, they kind of finally found this happy medium. And Darlington Nagby seemed like he was a very crucial to that medium. And Listen, so it'll be interesting. He is the best midfielder in the league. And a lot of people don't recognize that because they can't appreciate his subtle skill set as well as I can, an informed and intelligent soccer watcher who is smarter than you. Uh, yeah, he's so the best that the teams just trade him a lot. So that's cool. Um, I, I think he, you know, Caleb Porter's obviously just that he's always been, you know, Caleb Porter's muse. So I, I, that makes sense to me that that works. And I don't think that he was as like, 
I think you'll find that a good central midfield signing will replace him, <laughs> and they'll be fine. Uh, probably someone from from you know from South America as as is their their trend. Well, it'll be uh, interesting to see. I mean, I'm sure Emerson Hyman can step into that two degree. Yeah, Emerson Hyman, I think, was really good for them too. I mean, I think yeah. that's a that's a good point. Um, you know, if you look at kind of their their overall roster moves this year, like they, they, we're still waiting on some things. Depending on what what you think is going to happen with Julian Gressel, I mean, they're arguably a worse team than they were at the close of 2019. Still, um, talk about yeah. guys that I mean, he uh, he really got his you know he, he got touted kind of quite a bit over the last month of the MLS playoffs. So I don't want to say he d- doesn't get his due, but when we're talking about guys that truly are underrated um, in, in regards to financial compensation, he's probably one of the biggest in this league. He's, oh, he's yeah. He's underrated from a paycheck perspective. Like definitely. I don't think that his, uh, his respect <laughs> is underrated. He's a very well-regarded player uh, and deservedly. So uh, I cannot fathom why Atlanta aren't just giving him money. Like I don't, I don't know why you'd want him to be unhappy or, I can only assume they're working on a really good deal for him, but the fact that he's had to come out in the press and like ask about it, like that's just a little bit like you don't see that that much in MLS. Like, he, that, I, that surprised yeah, me. He has, but he hasn't. At the same time, he's said that he doesn't want to talk about it, which obviously implies that things aren't going well. <laughs> I, think, I think if you say if you say like, I'm disappointed in the situation, I don't want to talk about it. You've talked about it. Uh, <laughs> sure, sure, you're right. Fair enough. And the uh, fact that they went and traded for Brooks Lennon implies that that conversation this offseason has gone even worse than what you might have already. Yeah, I don't implied. think they're direct analogs, but I mean, I could see him kind of like if they're, I could see a shift there if that's the way they wanted to go. It's they're not direct choice. analogs in that Brooks Lennon is much worse than Julian Gressel, but they're analogs <laughs> right. in that they basically and essentially have played the same exact position throughout their careers. I, I think. Lennon is a little more defense. Yeah. He, well, no, he absolutely is more defensive. He, he, I think his quality comes from the fact that he is defensive, but I don't think he has nearly the ability that Julian Gressel has. Yeah, I could think of about 23 MLS teams that would be better with Julian Gressel. So, listen, Atlanta, if you don't want him, let him go. Let him go. Let him get paid somewhere. Well, I, and I think that him. he is going to get paid. I just don't think it's going to be domestically. Yeah. We'll see. It's an interesting thing. So, like between working that out, uh, yeah, they've lost uh, their, you know, one of their main center defenders. I think arguably uh, the more important of the two. I know that a lot of Atlanta fans don't like it when I say that because they love Miles Robinson and he's a very good defender. Uh, but LGP is a great, uh, you know, at, at a ball playing central back, which was essential to their uh, success in their first couple of years. And um, yeah, I, I don't think that's going to be an easy. Those are going to be easy shoes to fill, especially at at, at a TAM level. I think that it was a good time for him to leave. Yeah. I mean, I, I really do. Him, so. I, look, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, look, Miles Robinson has, is, is clearly able to now take over kind of the mainstay position there. And I think mm-hmm. that we saw him at least take some steps forward to being able to be a ball playing center, center back, which he bodes really well for his national team rep. Um, going further, they're going to have to look to replace him because re- replace LGP, not. Robinson, yeah. they're going to have to look to replace OGP now because if they don't, they're going to be moving Robinson in the next 18 to 24 months. I mean, can you honestly expect him sign a second contract with them? I, I, don't, I don't know. 
I don't see that I happening. Yeah. I really, I really don't. I see them I mean, using using the leverage that they have while it's there, and I think Robinson will have international interest by the time that his contract starts coming to a close. Let's talk about LAFC. The uh, last year's regular season champs ultimately fell short uh, in the playoffs. Uh, disappointing end to their record-breaking season, but you know, such as it, it is how it goes. Uh, really, pretty much almost untouched um, in a lot of ways. Uh, you know, Harvey and Bettishaw were guys that put in minutes last year that are gone. Um, Lee Nguyen was someone that was, you know, kind of a bench option, spot starter here and there. I would say still an important part of that team. Uh, he's gone on the expansion draft. Uh, thus far, haven't really done a lot. They brought in uh, Francisco Janela, um, who's, a, who's a young midfielder. Uh, but, but, but what about those wingbacks, you know, are they set there or do they, do they still have some shopping to do? They have some shopping to probably do. Um, Mm -hmm. and I say probably in that they've been really good about signing some young players and they have a a host of young players kind of ready to step into those roles, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, they've already replaced the win with a sign with a young Uruguayan, uh, yeah, center, uh, center yeah. midfielder that they signed, as well as you know they already had a left back that they had signed late last season to kind of step into that role. They they've kind of already backfilled those positions. Not only that, but they also have young players kind of ready to step into the into their spots whenever there's some a uh, man goes down. I mean, last year was a great uh, example in that you know you had um, Jordan Harvey kind of on the outs and just kind of at the point to where he obviously wasn't making the uh, making the plays that Bob Bradley wanted. And so you had Tristan Blackman, you know, 23-year-old Tristan Blackman in his second year. Um, mm-hmm. You can kind of just point to a whole host of uh, various scenarios over the course of Bob Bradley. This is what he's done. He's developed some really interesting pieces. I mean, you have Josh Perez, who's at 21, ready to start, I think, take some serious minutes he was really good for in spots for phoenix rising and you know i think that you have a lot of different players up and down this roster that are going to push uh, the rest of this roster yeah right? and guys like you know elmanir still there i believe or did he go did he no, no elmanir is still there yeah yeah he's still... on that on that left uh, left uh i expect what guy i'll be watching a lot this year is um you know, uh, it's the guy we saw towards the end of last year that I saw like a lot of things to like about uh, Brian Rodriguez. Um, yeah. I think he's going to be a very, uh, very good player for them this season. Uh, it's you know not sure exactly where he's going to fit in with it, with everybody back, or I guess we'll see. I, I don't know like what's going on with um, Diamande right now. Like I'm not sure like if they're still kind of. Well, Diamande yeah. seems like he's he's someone that's going to stick around at least in the short term. But then you have yeah. to wonder about Diego Rossi, right? Like he was yeah. supposed to be gone. He was this was supposed to be his time. So you, you kind of have to wonder what teams are going to do. Uh, is he going to stick around? How is you know how is Ryan Hernandez going to? It's get it's time? one of the weird things about how the way that the league is scheduled that like as. MLS's window ends to buy players. It's when all the teams in Europe and around the world start like trying to <laughs> start trying to poach their players. So it's kind of like, well, now they can't do anything about it, and like it, it's just a weird thing. But yeah, 
they're smart. They they've got such a good front office, and like they're obviously planning ahead, and I'm sure they're going to be on top of all that. But I say of all the teams I'm looking at right now that are heading into uh, the Concacaf Champions League, they're the most prepared. Um, that's obviously everything can change in a month. Uh, there's still a lot of time, and obviously none of these rosters are, are complete pictures yet. But but they're the closest I think to that. Um, we've talked some about Montreal. I think that that you know there's. There's, there's, there's some stuff to do there. I, I don't think we need to get too much more in-depth on Montreal again. But uh, certainly, you know, a team that I think is not going to be expected to make a lot of waves um, in this particular uh, competition. I don't, I don't think that's unfair. Is that unfair? They've done it before. <laughs> they made the final one time. Yeah. I, honestly, I, I'm I'm not sure whether that's fair or unfair. I kind of come down in the middle. Yeah. Um, on one side, they're a team that has a lot of work to do. Uh, on the other side, they do have some really good players, right? They There's do. some really good, good young players. Yeah, they do. I, I really enjoy watching Montreal. I don't mean it to be any sort of um, indictment of Montreal as like a, a whole organization, just that like I think it might be too soon for the, to look at this team and think this is a team that's a – a Concacaf Champions League challenger. Um, well, and, and when and this is this is probably should be a larger conversation about how we're rewarding certain uh, the Canadian teams in MLS and their access to the Concacaf. Yeah, Concacaf like, let's, 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 it should be Toronto. It will. It, it should be because and I don't know necessarily. Yeah, because I mean you got to look at where they're at MLS Cup. They should obviously have they earned their way to some let me back up because I, I don't even know it. Here, here's yeah. the thing I don't really think Seattle or Toronto should necessarily have gotten uh, CCL bids here I, I don't think CCL should be awarded to a team based off of your late cup push <coughs> um, I mean I think that like well I mean, I would say yes. I'd agree with you, except like, I mean, who else would you put there? I well, mean, uh, okay, that's 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 probably fair to some degree. Like having you know a couple, having one specific, maybe tied to the to the cup. But what sucks is Montreal, Vancouver, Toronto. Their entire access to this is through one like six week tournament. Yeah, it's a weird scene. I don't. I don't love it. No, I I don't either, and I think that it, especially in this situation, Montreal has done kind of dirty, right? They're they're going to go to this tournament, and it's good for them. They're going to probably get some brand exposure and stuff, and it's going to be a good work up to their regular season. But I shouldn't even say they're done dirty because the tournament itself is is kind of lessened by a team really not taking it seriously, and I well, don't think it, they have the the tools to really. Again, I, I don't think it's necessarily fair to say it's they're they're just gonna it's gonna be a wash. But I mean, no. it's similar to like when Colorado took over, like Anthony Hudson took over and was like, ah, we're gonna give it a, our best shot. Wink. Right, it didn't work. <laughs> Wink. <laughs> now, wait, I wonder what that guy's up to now. <laughs> anyway, uh, so like. Yeah, it, it, it's weird, but it, uh, I will say that also, like, for most teams that are in this tournament, like, it, it, it kneecaps them for a couple months. Like, it's rough. And, like, 
I don't know that Montreal really would want to be in this situation. I mean, I'm sure they'd say true. so. I'm that's sure, true, you know, too, yeah. I'm sure if you'd ask Henri, I'm sure he'd be like, of course, we want to compete. And I know that's the right line. I'm sure deep down they'd be like, man, we got a new coach. We got a lot of young players. Like, I just wish we could just kind of like ease into this season a little bit more and not just get like, you know, just get our get our asses kicked like right away. I don't mean necessarily in results wise, but just it's hard on on the players. Like it's a lot of travel. It's like some weird field conditions. It's just a weird situation for these guys. Well, and you um, got you got to think that NYC is kind of in the same boat. I mean, obviously they have a much more structured uh, roster, and that and there's less fluidity. You already kind of know what their starting eleven's probably going to be, right? Mm-hmm. They they lost their left back, but aside from Ben Sweat, like they you. you Ronald Monterita is probably going to have that spot. So yeah, that's fine. That was Ronnie Delia fun. has to kind of figure out what he's going to do at this point in time, and yeah. it kind of sucks that his first foray into this team with about a month and a half to kind of prepare for it is this tournament. It's an insane tournament that tends to make no sense. Yes, uh, but let's talk about NYCFC new coach, but basically another team that's pretty much more or less ready to go. I think they, they got pretty much their basic lineup back. Um, I think they were extremely good last year, and I, I know they had bad little playoff performance, and that, that is unfortunate, but but I think on the whole, easily the best team in that Eastern Conference, and, and probably the second best team in the league uh, over the course of the, the whole season. Um, yeah, I, I think they're going to be fine, depending on what's going to happen with Ronnie Dela. I know a lot of people are very like down on this coach uh, appointment, and I think that they... Um, um, they're down on a guy that does half-dressed push-ups. When his team wins, yeah, that's stupid to me. Like that's exactly the guy you want to coach your that team. That is exactly who you want coaching your team. Yeah, uh, <laughs> how, yeah, Bob Bradley, are you really that good? When was the last time you ripped off all your clothes and did push-ups after winning, Bob Bradley, faker? Um, you know, and I think it's interesting. I think that everyone had just kind of like mentally prepared themselves for Giovanni Van Bronckhorst, and um, you know, he certainly has a certain reputation to his name. Uh, and that, uh, you know, a lot of people got mad about Ronnie Dela, like said, like, oh, he was a disaster at Celtic. And like, I look back at it and like, eh, not really. I mean, he was fine. <laughs> this is like, we talk, we kind of opened the show talking a little bit about yeah. like, missing stuff out on your, like, I don't understand why he, I'm sure there's valid reasons why fans feel the way that they feel. Yeah. I mean, like, but when you look at, like, you look at paper and you just look at what he achieved. Yeah. It's like, that's pretty good. Like anywhere else, he had like he won like sixty five percent of his games. He won the two titles in his two years there, and like, yeah, like yeah, it was a little bad in Europe. But for Celtic, you know, like that's just sort of a different kind of like like they're used to always winning the league. Like that's not really a huge accomplishment in the Scottish Premier League. Yeah. And like people are like, oh, and Rangers weren't even in his league when he did it. You know, like he didn't really have any competition. But it's like the Rangers came back two years later under Rodgers, and they were like the third best team. Like, it wasn't like they were missing much there. I think he's fine. I, I don't know that he, you know, I think in Norway it didn't go super great for him. Uh, but I don't think that team was very good. I think I think Norway yes. is a weird place. Yeah, and I think NYCFC like... and their place in the league is not the same, but closer to Celtic than it is to like a, a bottom tier Norwegian team in that league. So we'll see. I I, I don't know. I'm I'm excited to see the man take off his clothes and do push-ups. I'm not gonna lie. I want him to bring that crazy energy. And I, I think that this could be uh, a big year for NYCFC. And I think that they are a team that is uh, well-stocked for this particular tournament. Um, so I, I would, I, NYCFC, NYCFC fans probably 
don't need to be too concerned about 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 their roster at this moment. Not though I do. I would be surprised if there weren't a couple of additions. I feel very Atlanta towards them right now. Like yeah. last year, remember how Atlanta was really stocked and kind of ready to go for yeah. for this tournament, and but they're adding Frank DeBoer, uh, and that just kind of seemed to really cause some issues. I feel like the, I feel like that's really. I feel very much like that could potentially be where they're at. Yeah, it could be. Okay. I think the first half of NYC, I think I think people need to be patient with NYC. And I think that anybody that writes them off before August, uh, it needs to reevaluate themselves. <laughs> yeah. No, that's totally fair to me. Um, all right. Our last uh, CCL team is our uh, MLS champions, uh, according to the laws of tournaments, the Seattle Sounders. Uh, this team is not ready to go to CCL at all. Um, uh, yes and no, right? Like you got, you still got uh, Ladero, you still got uh, yeah. Jordan Morris and Van Rui and Rui Diaz. Their, yeah, their attack is more or less set. Like that's that was never going to change. Uh, you know, Victor Rodriguez is gone, but Victor Rodriguez not being there was kind of what they dealt with about half the time anyway. So like that's not a huge uh, transition for them to make. Right, Jovan Jones will slide out to the left. Jones will be there, or Roldan will be out wide, depending on signings. Um, you know, but the defense is, uh, ooh, boy, they got some, they got some work to do back there. Uh, they have one center back on their roster right now. Well, I mean, Svensson could be a second. Yeah, I, I was gonna say, <laughs> I, I'll get into that. I, maybe if you call Svensson that, but I don't think that's what Svensson wants to play. I don't think no. that's where they want to play Svensson. No. Um, I think if that were like a good thing, you would have seen that happen last year when they were really struggling back there. Right. Um, but, but you know, they've got Ariaga, uh, who is a uh, really interesting defender. He's he's someone I really like. Uh, very aggressive. I think you know he had kind of a bumpy start, but really I thought I saw nothing but improvement towards the end of last season. I think he'll be good this year. Uh, but Roman Torres is off to Miami. Uh, Kim Kihi maybe coming back. Like that's still up in the air. Uh, yeah, that's really weird, right? I would think that they would have settled that by now if that was going to happen, but maybe they're waiting on CBA stuff. I know that uh, he's a TAM guy, so it could be like, uh, I don't know. But and, Kihi, and I think, is There are rumors. I... We're going to talk about it in a second about TAM, so that's important to think about. And yeah, so Kihi, I think, was a guy that was good. Um, I don't think he was at his best with Ariaga. Um, I don't know that partnership never like fully gelled, except for, of course, like in the last time they played together was against LAFC when they, they probably put together their the Seattle's best defensive performance of that year. Um, so that, that, that's something that, you know, that's some optimism there uh, for fans, but like, uh, yeah, other than that, like they've got nothing like they're, they're at that point, you're going into like the Tacoma defiance and you're looking at guys like Atencio or Rogers. I, I think that you want to see like um, you, you get, you need to see signings here. <laughs> like, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised to see Sam Rogers sooner yeah, rather I would, than later. I would uh, Seattle can make three center back signings this offseason and it wouldn't be weird. Like they need to fill out their depth chart there. Uh, I think uh, I think it's going to need to be it's going to need to be closer to four for me. <laughs> no, and I'm very serious. Like yeah. they 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 have a huge just uh, dearth of central defenders. They they, they yeah. do. They have one. Yeah, they they have exactly one, and they start a tournament in almost a month. Yeah, and you need to have at least two generally in your lineup just to start with. 
Yeah, I mean... You don't play a lot of one-center-back formations. Now, maybe Schmetzer is truly going to revolutionize soccer, and it's just going to be six wingbacks back there, and Jordan Morris. We'll see. I doubt it, but it's possible. Uh, but even on their wingback situation, I mean, like that's not really like stocked well either. Like, Smith is gone. Uh, is Jovan Jones still a left-back? Uh, I don't know. Like When he moved back there in MLS Cup Final, it seemed to be good. Um... You know, uh, New Who is a interesting player. I know people love him. I he frustrates me. Um, yeah. He really needs to like improve his consistency and like his his ability with the ball. I think to be like to hold on that role and be be a very good contributor, uh, very good defender though. Uh, outright, you know, you've got Kelvin Leardan, but behind him, like nothing except for Roldan. So it, just just Jordy a lot Dillon. of him. Come on. <laughs> yeah, I forgot. I forgot you could stick Glenn back there. So as good as they are set up in Ford, and I think they're set up great there. Diaz is good. Bruins good. Um, you know, you got Morris that can play up top, uh, out wide. Even in the wings, you've got options there. Central midfielder seems to be a place they're looking. We've seen a lot, a lot of players rumored there. Um, you know, but but that backline needs needs a whole lot of work, and they don't have a lot of time to do it. So, and this is not something like your defense isn't ideally like something that you're going to be putting together at the last minute like that needs time to like work together and kind of gel and consolidate so uh it could be a rough start for seattle <laughs> i, I, I can see that and honestly i think it will be i think the first half is going to be a rough one and i know the narrative around seattle about the sounders and their and their opening start and that was a whole reason why it was so important for them to get off to this massive good start last year but look it, it's not how you start it's how you end and yeah, you start the way you intend to go, but that's not always that's not always feasible. And I don't think in this situation, given the circumstances, it should be expected, right? There, yeah. there should be some some understanding that things are going to take a little bit of time. They're, they're probably going to have a rough couple of first uh, first games where runners get lost and goals uh, happen when they shouldn't, and you just kind of have to shrug your shoulders and say, well, they're going to get better. Yeah. So uh, overall, I think that, uh, you know, we're not uh, super prepared for, for, for CCL uh, on the whole, but uh, LAFC and NYC uh, seem to be in good shape. Uh, Montreal, you know what? It's all, whatever you do is just a bonus for us at this point. Um, and Atlanta, Seattle uh, need to get out their checkbooks, and it's pretty soon. So that's, that's our take on that. <laughs> um, let's talk about what time do we have here? Not a lot of time. Uh, do you want to talk about Tam or yeah, let's, let's talk about Tam. Let's skip ahead. Let's talk we, about Tam. We'll, we'll, we'll cover a couple of these things. Uh, All right, here. you've written on my rundown here. Is Tam a bad spending incentive mechanism? I'll let you take this question first. What do you What do you mean? Well, so there's been so first off, Eric Miller went on uh, Sirius F, uh, XM Radio the other day and, and talked about how players don't like it, and that's players with a capital P. So, you know, who yeah. he's representing the MS players association. So he's speaking as a league. He says, you know, the front offices dislike it. And he says fans dislike it. And I, I think that's probably pretty fair. There's been a lot of, uh, a lot of things that are just coming joked about uh, in general. And I think it's really hard to, there's a complete lack of transparency when it comes to it. But, even more so, there's an issue with how TAM influences spending. Because 
who gets ham is mo it's supposed to be older players that are frequently coming out of their second or maybe their first or second contracts so that basically teams can keep those players around longer that's i think that's that's, that's what the, it started as that's where yeah that's that i think that's where that, the intentional mechanism that was the of, idea it's now become something completely different. Correct. And, and the idea, basically, the mechanics around it have involved more or less allowing players, or not allowing, but allowing teams to go get international. Um, I, I guess I want to say the middle-class European player. Yes. And that's not necessarily a good thing. It's not necessarily a bad thing. I would it's say... It's not necessarily a good thing either. Okay. Let me say this. On the whole, the Tam era of Major League Soccer has produced the best soccer of Major League Soccer. I will agree with that. Um, I think that while it started, it was started off as an idea of like a way to keep, um, you know, Ozzy Matt Beasler, Matt Bessler, Janino. <laughs> um, uh, It became a way to strengthen the middle of your roster, which I think that they really needed to do. Um, the problem is that it's it's another tier in player appraisal, and I don't like those, um, where we say, like, oh, yeah, he's good, but is he DP good? Like, what does that even mean? Oh, he's good, but is he TAM good? Um, you know, these are just accounting mechanisms, but they seem to create these, like, class systems within the league and I think that I can see why that frustrates players um, it also means that you have some money to spend on international player that probably isn't that much better than a, a domestic option uh, but since you got it you might as well use it um, rather than you know try to make the domestic option better I see the complaint there as well <clears throat> uh, and I think worst of all is that nobody understands it <clears throat> and it's just another layer of MLS roster rules that just seeks to frustrate fans. Um, like, I think fans like the result of Tam. I think fans love seeing better players come to the league. I don't think that that can be... <clears throat> I don't think there's a credible argument otherwise. Uh, I think that for people that are paying enough attention to consider roster rules, I think it's frustrating because you don't necessarily understand how much everybody has, where it's coming from, what it's worth. Now there are two types of Tam. Um you know, it's a, or whatever. You know, it's, it's stuff just gets very quick. What's discretionary TAM versus this other kind of TAM? And, and right. so it, 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 I can see why people are just like, we got to get this settled. And, and what it ultimately, what I think it was, is I think that the league said, like, okay, yeah, we want to sign better players, but let's not go crazy. So <laughs> they well, put this, this but little instead, bit of like. It's exactly, it's been exactly what you said. It, players or teams have leaned on players that are coming from places in the world that are supposedly better. Right. And, mm. and I use air quotes there. Uh, you can see me doing the supposedly, but I heard the air quotes in your voice. Yeah, exactly. I, I feel like I, 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 yeah, you got it. You got it across, but here's the problem with that is there's so much that is really hard to determine when you're importing talent into a league. There's so much more. It's not simply, are they good enough? Are they uh, are they fast enough? Are they, are they as skilled with the ball? Are they 
this? Are they that? There's so many different off the field things to consider. And I think it's so many things that make importing talent into this league difficult. And I'm not saying you should shy away from that. But I think that it should be, you shouldn't necessarily give teams an incentive to do it more frequently than develop internal talent. This speaks, I think, is, back is, to... I, I know I said, like, five different things there. Yeah. They kind of Here's, go into different <laughs> lanes, but... Let me... Let me I want to draw... I want to I wanna, I wanna draw in something specific you said okay. that, that is a concern of mine. I don't think it's MLS's job to develop domestic players. Um, I think that it's a nice goal. I think it's a good idea, and I think it should be a natural sort of, uh, you know, result of having a strong domestic league. But MLS's job is to make MLS as entertaining as possible. Uh, and if that means, like, we're going to bring in a guy from Norway instead of getting, uh, you know, I don't know, like, Jonathan Campbell some more minutes, like, I think they're well within their rights to do that, and I don't necessarily think they're wrong to do that. Uh, but it strikes me is that it, it's, it's a half measure, um, in that it, like... It sort of head fakes into we're going to like let teams really invest without really doing it too much, and it sort of says we're going to restrict teams without really restricting them all that much. Uh, so it's just kind of a weird, kind of lukewarm thing. And then there are teams that just sort of use it weirdly, and you've got you get these situations where Zlatan Ibrahimovic is a TAM player or Christian Pavone is a TAM player. That obviously was not intended to be the, like that's not what TAM was for, right? Um, so, so it's a very weird, uh, yeah. I, so, when you say is it bad? No, I think it's well, good. Is it a bad spending mechanism? Right. That's that was the key. That the whole sentence is the key. Okay. So, are you saying like is it? Don't use like is it bad to use Tam or like is it a bad? No, role? I, th- I think the incentive. I, I think the incentive behind it. The idea, like you said, is good. Importing yes. more talent into this league. But the type of player that you're signing with a TAM is, it seems to be, at least the idea of it, is kind of narrow. And I think that you end up with players in this league that either are overpaid because they're TAM, quote unquote. There are players over in Europe that are expect, they're expected, hey, I'm going to get this much for playing. Yeah. Regardless, I, that's that's how much I'd get it in Norway. Well, you have to make you have to make a salary that's attractive to those players that make more money in Europe. Right, exactly, and I and I understand that, but because of that, I think that people just make and, and I I don't just think this. I know I we know this is a fact. Mm-hmm. Players have been recruited simply because that's how much they make over at, at Team X in League Y. Yeah, but that's not the incentive. That's not Tam's fault. That's just bad recruitment. Right, but it's part of the mechanism because now I can't spend on defensive player A or B that I want to. I can't re-sign them. I have to go and spend this money somewhere that the other is not coming is out that... of my. That's not coming out of my owner's uh, my owner's pocket. Right. This yeah. Is and league, the other... this is league money that they're giving me for free. I have to use it. And the other weird thing is that they get to say whether or not you can use Tam on a player that's already on your team. Like, you remember when, like, well, who was it? Uh, like, Stefan Fry? Well, Jovan Jones? Stefan Fry, those Bill two. Uh, there, there's, yeah. been, there's been a list of, like, goalkeepers <clears throat> and defenders that aren't was like, expressly, no, like, U.S. 
I know I just, Fry and yeah. Meade are both U.S., but there's been a list of players that aren't just U.S. players that teams have been shot down on using TAM. And I don't like that at all. I no. That seems... League needs to get out of that. That needs to be something the league gets out of. It's a <clears throat> it's an interesting situation. Um, I don't think it's going to go away. I think that it, it would be too complicated at this point. Um, but I do think it's being talked about because I, and I, when we see guys and GMs come out and say, like, we don't know what the rules are going to be. I think it's Tam that they're talking about. Um, yeah. Because, like, that's really the one thing that could change in a significant enough way to have an effect on your signings. Um, so they need to figure it out quickly. <laughs> Whatever they're going to do with it is fine. Uh, I think they should keep it. If they don't keep it, I think that they should still have that much more room available in the salary cap. Uh, that they normally would and just not specially earmark it. That's fine by me too. That's probably the best solution to all this is just like say, okay, we're giving you this much TAM and you can have this much discretionary TAM. Just raise the salary cap by that amount and you can do whatever you want with it. Um, that solves the problem, doesn't it? Uh, real fast, going back to domestic players. I agree MLS should not be responsible for developing the developing the domestic player. However, yeah. I do think that it's within your the respective organization's best interest to develop yes. players. Yes, absolutely. Agreed. So organically, yeah, <clears throat> I totally agree with you. But when you have, A, someone that says, hey, I will give you a million dollars if you go and sign this player. Or B, you can sign this player for $100,000 out of your own pocket. Which are you going yeah. to and, right, the player so, that we're, and the player we're going to give you money to sign is a better player. Just FYI. Well, you assume, you're assuming yes. that because you, you're spending a million dollars, you're getting a better product. The problem you can, is you can get there's a, a stigma on players coming out of lower leagues you can, you in can America. Get a, you can get a better product for a million dollars if you spend it well. You say that, but look at, the, look at some of the players that have been brought in on TAM in the – last two years yes but those are like bad signings they're not well, that's my point <laughs> you're incentivized to make bad decisions sometimes no you're not no you are not no you are not incentivized to make bad decisions you make bad decisions on your own you're the team that didn't scout michael siani that wasn't tam's fault you could have spent that million dollars on a good defender they're available come on <sighs> the question is whether or not the league's going to allow you to sign that good <laughs> player defensively right so not only do you have to come up with not only do you have to prove to your coach to your coaching staff during the recruitment process that this is the player that's right for you that's right for the league now you have to go to the league and you have to champion this player and say this is why this player will be better and right now the league doesn't care about defensive players they've shown they don't care about signing defensive players i am really honestly a little worried about MLS in 2020 with the dilution of the defensive pool. It's going to get worse. Yeah, it's not. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's there's some interest. I, I will say there's some interesting signings. Orlando has, you know, si- signed a couple Brazilians that, that yeah, they, know, they, gotta... there, there's some, there's some interesting quality that could be injected in the league, but legitimately, there is some concerns that defense itself has been has taken a back a serious back seat by MLS mm-hmm. 
in lieu of, hey, this guy scored the bucket of goals in, in Switzerland. Yeah. Or the Netherlands. <clears throat> Neither well, of which we know anything about the quality of defenders except for the fact that players <laughs> can score in those leagues. Players can score in those leagues. <sighs> yeah. I don't. I I don't think you can lay all these things at Tam's feet, though. I, I, I do think that I that get this what is you're saying. I get what you're yeah. saying. People make decisions, right? Yeah. But you can again. There have been nobody. Nobody around here in MLS is going to shoot down spending an extra six hundred or eight hundred thousand dollars on a on player A that you know nothing about versus paying a senior minimum to a guy coming off a USL roster. It's just not going to happen. No team's going to make that decision. Well, yeah, because the, I mean, obviously I can't say that because it's not always, but like, because the player coming off the market is better. You're making that assumption. That is, I know again, I am. you know, nothing about either of those two but players, like, but like, that's where that's that's where so many and, and it's true. You know this. We know people. We've talked to people, both of us, who have told us about their recruitment process to where they don't know yeah. anything about these players. They're not betting all of these players, and they're just saying, "Okay, well, that sounds pretty good to me. I can sell the league on that pretty easily, and I don't have to spend any of my owner's money." Yeah. No, I know there are teams that have done that. I don't want to get. BS, I know, but that's that's the wrong way to do it. <laughs> no, I, and that, that's that's what I'm saying, right? Like, I think we're both we both agree on this. We're just yeah, agreeing I mean, in different ways. Don't don't like, yes, yeah, like don't spend extra money on players that you don't scout. That's stupid. <laughs> Even if it's not your money, like it's your resource. Don't waste your resource on it. Don't let an agent or a league come to you and say, hey, you want uh, Al Ghazal or whatever? Ali Ghazal? Like, no. Like, look into that. Michael Ciani, look into that. You know, Kim Kihi's out there. You got good players out there that you can get on TAM. Um, even defenders. It's... <clears throat> I, I, I will say that <clears throat> the way that TAM has been used and the way that Tam has sort of been introduced to the league has been very uh, scattershot. And I think that its original goal was one thing and it now is something completely different. And I think that they could simplify the whole system with Tam by just making that money available to you in your salary cap. And that would be easier. But also, I'm all for whatever, even if it's a stupid Byzantine mechanic, if it involves getting better players into the league, even if it's just theoretically. Because I think generally it is, but not always. You're right. It's not always. <laughs> is there Harrison? I, I feel like I've said my piece. I don't want to like reiterate or rehash <laughs> the conversation. I think you ended it really well. Uh, true statements to all. Uh, I, I have an affinity for taking on uh, finding that that you want to find you want you believe in the power of the domestic player and Harrison I will say this there should be more incentive to develop domestic talent 
There should be. I don't think that there should be disincentive to sign foreign players, but I think that 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 does the opposite than like saying like no, we really need to make American players that are better than these players because that will be better for us as a team or Canadian players, whatever. You know what I mean? Well, uh, it, no, I, it's funny because so I had this conversation with Brenton, you know, like about an hour ago uh, on uh-huh. on Twitter, and there are some really fair critiques when it comes to you know, do you how do you put other teams at a competitive disadvantage by not incentivizing the fact that they want to sign, you know, middle-aged or older players. Um, why does everybody have to do the same thing? And I, I get that. It makes it really difficult, right, mm-hmm. to try to balance the league incentivizing uh, certain mechanisms. And I get that. Um, my big thing is I just, A, I want to see an available, I want to see the league make itself available to people that are trying to come up through the ranks, whether that's high school players, whether that's college players, uh, kids that are at local academies that don't have a direct pipeline to an MLS club, I want to see them get a chance, right? And I, that's, I listen, that's, that's not just a problem with MLS. Like that is no, it's, it's, it's not. And United I'm not States saying that's soccer. MLS's problem yeah. to solve. I think that I kind of put it at the feet of all these local all these clubs, right? And I think that when you have to be careful that you're rewarding a team, and I think right now you kind of are, we're in a system to where a lot of these teams can use, can kind of leech off of the league and, and leech off of the successful teams by spending league money rather than using your owner's money, right? To develop but- your organization and develop things. And, and I think that that's an issue. And I think that that probably goes away with, restructuring TAM and, and so kind of like what you talked thi- about. One thing I would say is that I think that a lot of the USL issue, um, and our friend Jeff Reuter of The Athletic, wrote like a really cool yes. article, like a Thank very you. good article on it. Uh, if you have The Athletic, you should, you should check it out. Um, I, I think the homegrown players have done a lot to sort of like say like, that's where you're getting these young domestic players that are coming in or through these homegrown deals. Uh, which are very advantageous to the team. And I think that they're very well incentivized to sign homegrown players. I think that's something MLS has done well. Um, and having a great homegrown player is like just great for your budget. Yeah. Um, so I, I see that USL may be kind of being skipped in that process because, uh, yeah, you're sort of bypassing that stage that was once part of the American soccer you know, professional ladder. Um, it's not so much anymore. Like, you got kids going to college, uh, you know, getting drafted to MLS that are good. You got kids that are good enough to be, like, considered MLS talent in high school. Like, they're in academies. They're looking to be homegrown signings. So the guys that are end up in USL are the guys that don't fit either of those bills. They weren't good enough to get drafted, or they were drafted really low and didn't quite work it out. Or, you know, they just didn't make it through the academies the same way that some of the better players did. That puts USL in kind of a challenging spot. Um I don't know what way like there is to incentivize making them more attractive to sign because I don't I don't see how they could be. Yeah, I think that that's there there there's a solution there. I kind of disagree with a few of those things, but it, it, I think that's a I think we're branching onto a new subject entirely. Yeah, it's true. We've already gone long. It's our first time back. We had so much to say. Uh, we'll pick it up next time. Maybe we'll do a more USL in-depth discussion on USL. I, I do have some more thoughts on that, and like, I, I think you do too. Um, but uh, cool, we're back. Uh, as far as like, schedule, baby. 
2020, baby. Uh, as far as the schedule goes, uh, we're not going to be weekly, um, probably until the season starts again, uh, just because there's not a lot happening yet. We're still kind of waiting. Um, but but we'll check in. Uh, it will be a lot quicker this time than it was last time. <laughs> uh, certainly, we'll, we'll check in uh, as more signings are finalized, as we get closer to CONCACAF Champions League, um, and as there's, there's more to discuss with the CBA and things like that. But uh, sorry we were gone so long. I hope uh, you guys enjoyed your, your break from listening to us. Um, thank you for, for coming back. We, we really appreciate you. Um, thank you to my uh, friend, my colleague, uh, Harrison Crow. You can find him on Twitter at Harrison underscore Crow. You can find me on Twitter at a handle for Ian. Uh, visit our website. That's www.americansocceranalysis.com. You know, there actually is content going up, even though we're in the offseason right now. Uh, you can go check out uh, offseason outlooks of all MLS teams uh, that were published a couple weeks ago. So some of them are probably a little bit out of date. Sorry, Redditors, uh, that they're not all living documents, but that's just not how it's going to work. <laughs> um, uh, and, and, you know, you can follow uh, American Soccer Analysis on Twitter. That, that handle is at Analysis Evolved. Um, that's it. We will uh, see you next time. And until then, enjoy the soccer. Turn me up a little bit. Taylor